Welcome back to the Change Over Podcast. I'm Ben, along with Evan, and we are back after a little bit of a break. Today's episode, get that clay out of my face. And to all 12 (laughs) of you who know that reference, well, feel free to write us an email. Today we're going to be moving on from the dirt to the rich green grasses of the summer tennis season. We're going to do a really efficient episode for everyone. A um, little bit of reflection or perhaps a rehabilitation on Roland Garros, depending on if you're a big Rafa fan or not. Um, <laughs> a re- recap of coming over to grass this season and um, a real quick take on Wimbledon. But before we dive into things, Evan, how's it going? Everything's good. Uh, it's good to be back here on the changeover. Uh, missed missed last week's episode just due to life getting really busy and crazy, but we wanted to get a quick one out for you this week. Hopefully we can get another one again before Wimbledon starts out here, but uh, it's good to be talking to you. Yes, most definitely. So since the last episode, we have achieved 250 plays. So thanks so much to everybody who's checking in on these episodes. We really appreciate it. We're having a lot of fun. Um, we're up to almost 280. New goal right now is to get us to 300 plays. So feel free to tell your friends mm-hmm. about the great things you hear on this very insightful tennis podcast. <laughs> All right, Evan. Now, let's jump into some trivia before we get things started with today's <laughs> main topics. It's all about the, well, to start, Rafa versus Djokovic match at Roland Garros 2021. <laughs> not, not to just pour a bunch of salt in the wound, you probably no just kidding. ended healing. I'm still licking them. <laughs> it's it's going to give us some basis, I think. Um, so in this match, and these um, these are also not easy, sorry, but they're pretty interesting. Great. So we'll have, to, we'll have to jump through. But in this match, as you can probably imagine, there was a... As with any match, there was an average number of shots that took place per rally. Say, um, with say within the match, uh, average points could last anywhere from zero to seven shots. For example, the question, the first question <laughs> is, what was the average rally length in shots in this match between Rafa and Joker? Just oh, the whole man. number. You don't need to get the decimal correct. Okay, whole number. This is a from what I remember now. This is um, a little bit tricky because I know, like, especially in that third set, that tiebreaker, that was um, they had a lot of nice long rallies. However, the first set was kind of a blowout by Nadal, and then the fourth set was kind of a blowout by Joker. So I'm betting those were quicker points that kind of offset. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go with seven. You're on to something that is high. That is high. Okay. Surprisingly, yes. It is a little bit surprising. I thought it might be a little bit low. Um, mm-hmm. How about five? It, it is 5.3 shots, apparently. Right. According to the statisticians of the match, uh, the average rally length was 5.3 shots. So it is lower for exactly the reasons like you mentioned, uh, and we'll get into it just a very bit uh, later on about the dynamics of this match. But uh, next question. Uh, so like we said, on average, the rallies were usually going from four to seven shots, much lower actually than what you would expect with the exact average being 5.3. Um, <laughs> but the next question is, which of these, um, what I called shot categories, did Djokovic win the most of? So the, basically the question again is to answer in, in a shot, but did Djokovic win the most of one shot rallies, of seven shot rallies? The question is, which 
which category did he win the most points in? Short, medium, long. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, okay. also in shots. Oh man, that was even tougher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm guessing that Nadal won the quicker points more, and Djokovic won the mid to long rallies more. I don't know if he would have won more long or mid. I kind of think long because he was he was in there on every point. Um, the ten. 10 shot rallies uh, it, your your logic is rational but you should use the argumentation you had before it's it's much lower than 10 oh really so is it's it in really the short weird. rallies it is actually really i know oh, that's crazy. super odd well, maybe that's why he won <laughs> um four shots it's four shots exactly oh, okay. <laughs> Djokovic won uh 19 points in total on four shot rallies and rafa had nine in that example and the next question for you is exact same question but for rafa which ones did he win the most of and this is important evan he did not necessarily win more points than djokovic just asking Mm. in which category did he actually win the most points for himself um so by my logic i don't have a lot of wriggle room here (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna say like three shot rallies uh or my little higher no no it's okay it's close you picked four for Djokovic. That's yeah. correct. Five? Mm-hmm. Exactly. According okay. to the stats, he had 15 points that he won in five-shot rallies, which was the highest number he achieved. So, um, yeah, to your point about w- why the match ended the way it did, this is a pretty interesting perspective, I think. Uh, very technical, and we'll probably lose a lot of people right at the beginning <laughs> for this. But, um, <laughs> The, the, so like you said, the four-shot rallies, Djokovic won 19, Rafa won 9. The five-shot rallies, Djokovic won 17, Nadal won 15. But then when things get interesting is the six-shot rallies, Djokovic 11 and Nadal also 11. So they tied at hmm. six shots. And then at seven shots, um, Djokovic had 17 and Rafa only had five. Yeah. So the interesting key is that Djokovic did win the long points, exactly like you said. Um, but he also snuck his way into and actually had a majority of these four shot rallies and stayed in the zero to three shot rallies really well. So I don't know how much of a role it plays in the outcome of the match, but those were some unique statistics I found. So nice job with the trivia. I do have one more fun one for you here, which okay. has nothing to do with that match. And the question is, which young and up-and-coming player on tour has Andy Roddick-like mannerisms and appearance? <laughs> and appearance. <laughs> oh, gosh. Young and up. He said he's an American, right? He's not. He's not, oh, actually. He's not. Okay. Oh, man. I can't even... I can't even hazard a guess right now. I can't even think of one. Um, it, oh, man. Is he in the top 100? No. Oh, dang, I'll never get it. <laughs> just, just throw a name out there, and then I'll, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Um, who was that guy that played T-Pain that I said was going to win? <laughs> oh, uh, I also can't even remember his name. Yeah. He was like a qualifier, right? O'Connell. It was O'Connell. O'Connell. <laughs> yeah, Chris O'Connell. <laughs> No, so it's it is not O'Connell. Um, it's to I don't. It's not. Okay, it is not. I don't know if you remember, but at 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 Miami this year, there was a player who um, had kind of like a scary moment where he like sort of um, oh collapsed on court. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
that I guy. forget who that was. <laughs> it's okay. So it's Jack Draper from Great Jack Britain. Draper. I can okay, only I know the name. I, I came across this while I was watching the match. And then funnily enough, I was listening to a different tennis podcast and someone referenced the same thing. And it was like, this Jack Draper looks exactly like Andy Roddick in his mannerisms. And I was like, <laughs> I thought the same thing. So then I knew That's I wasn't funny. crazy. And I was like, I'll throw it in here. So yeah, look that up. I looked it up myself. There's no one else who posted anything about that. So it's, huh. it's a complete one-off <laughs> subjective trivia question, but does he have like the real small split step serve? Yeah, so he exactly he does this thing. He has a the a hat with a bill that's pointed like way too tightly. Yeah, and like a similar like jawline looking face to Roddick, and he does that thing before he serves, where he hikes up his shirt like over his shoulder before. Oh he yeah, does I it. remember that. And yeah, he does that in exactly the same way. So I'm that's d- even like that a ridiculous before. thing to notice. But <laughs> oh yeah, I do it all the time. I mean, yeah. your shirt's gonna get in the way, so. Sometimes yeah. you, you got you to gotta feel like a big server to hit a big serve. <laughs> exactly. So why not model the best? Yeah, that's right. So that's our trivia. Great job there. Those were, um, yeah, definitely unique. More Moving on, though, to Roland Garros. Short okay. and distant reflection is what we're talking about here, Evan. So I'm going to try not to dwell on it too much. It's been a while, too. I mean, this is partially one of the benefits of not recording immediately mm-hmm. after the outcomes of that <laughs> tournament because for those of us who have massive respect for Djokovic's game but wouldn't consider ourselves Djokovic fans, maybe like us, um, this tournament was more or less like a nightmare, especially for 12 oh. or 13-year-old me <laughs> looking back in time. But essentially what happens is Djokovic beats Rafa for the reasons, some of which we just mentioned in the trivia, and then it looks like Tsitsipas is is actually going to beat him. It looks like, holy mm-hmm. crap, this is actually going to happen. Tsitsipas has got him. But if you've been watching tennis for a while like we have, you're also watching that match and you're just waiting for you're Djokovic waiting. Yep. to do either one of two things and both happen to find some little niche in Tsitsipas's game or an error or he gets in his head a little bit and he's like now I'm not going to lose and two to do some kind of like weird bathroom break injury timeout thing both of those things happened as expected and it's (laughs) like he never looked back so I don't know I mean my just brief thoughts on both of those were I thought that the Rafa Djokovic match there was a lot of people saying that was like the greatest match they had seen in years and I don't know like for me it was a good match but Rafa was like not there at all for me he was at some points he was playing well in the beginning but then he looked really physically out of it towards the end and Djokovic really made him pay like he was Mm -hmm. all over it and Djokovic played like almost flawless tennis I was trying to find a Mm -hmm. stat on his baseline um connection rate but the, he was within like a foot of the baseline it seemed like on almost every ball so yeah that was ridiculous and then the Sitsipas match I, I like really thought he had it but it was just classic Djokovic so I don't know how did you how did you feel about that and how do you feel about it now the week and a half later oh man I'm less salty now but I it was a heartbreaker I was I was more sad than mad <laughs> when it comes down to it because you were, I mean, everybody thought Rafa was going to get the Grand Slam um, lead with that tournament, right? And now it's looking like he probably never will. I would expect Djokovic <laughs> to get to 21 before Nadal does, to be honest with you. Um, no, and that, so inevitable. That was kind of a hard pill to swallow. Um, but we won't. I won't get into too much of the GOAT talk because that will take us way off track and we don't have the time for that. So <laughs> we will for sure come back to this at a later date. But in terms of that match specifically, 
I, I, I heard that as well, that maybe people were saying it's the greatest match of all time. I don't think it's, I, I wouldn't say it's close to the great match, greatest match of all time. However, that third set was one of the best sets of tennis I've ever seen in my entire life. That was killer. Hands down. Yeah. That was and a I great think that's what people, I think that's what people are thinking about, right? Because the first set, the fourth set, really nothing to write home about. Um, but yeah, that was probably one of the best performances I've ever seen from Djokovic in my entire life, to be honest with you. I, like you said, Nadal wasn't probably at his best, but I uh, honestly attribute a lot of that to Djokovic and the form he was in for most of that match. He came out pretty slow, but we've seen him do that before. And then he just went into this mode where he couldn't miss. He could, he couldn't miss anything. And he was, like you said, lobbying within a foot of the baseline. It was incredible to watch, to be honest with you. And so at the end of it, you know, you kind of, after that third set went the way of Djokovic, you kind of saw the writing on the wall, or at least I did. And, uh, you kind of just have to tip your hat at that point because Djokovic was the better player on that day. And that's got to be one of the biggest wins of his career because he took out Nadal, who seemingly was unhampered at Roland Garros. And that's something that no one's ever done twice. Now he has. Exactly. Um, that's a huge, huge bolster on his resume, in my opinion. Um, and then, oh, did you have something to say? No, no, go ahead. Okay. Um but yeah, it, uh, I don't know. Incredible match. Moving on to the Sitsipas one. Um, it's exactly like you said. He won Sitsipas. I was like, uh. yes, he took the first set. Let's go. <laughs> and then he took the second. And it almost made me more worried because I was like, uh-oh. Are we exactly. going to see Are we gonna see a Musetti type of game here where Djokovic just kind of like turns it on out of nowhere? And I, I don't remember the exact quote, but Sitsipas said something about like when he came back from that bathroom break, it was like playing a completely different person. He was hitting the balls harder. He was being more consistent. He was defending better. And I feel bad for Sitsipas because it's like he almost got led into a false sense of security, but that's... What you get with Djokovic and he makes that's part of what makes him so hard to play is you, he just he always keeps you guessing. You never know what you're going to get on any given point, really, with him. Um, I know. And that's tough. And mentally, that's tough. Very tough, especially when you're playing a best of five. It's your first Grand Slam final. Um, you know, much props to Sitsipas, but he's just not the mental player that Djokovic is I think Djokovic probably is the best um in terms of the big moments we've ever seen on the tennis court um so I don't know uh massive massive tournament for Djokovic getting 19 winning his second Roland Garros now he's got two at every single tournament which Nadal doesn't have Federer doesn't have another huge thing for his resume so uh um yeah that's (laughs) that's but all I can say about it I just I'm, I'm honestly impressed with the way that Djokovic handled that whole tournament. So yeah, I totally agree. I think there's no other way to come out of it than to sing the man's praises to some extent because it was ridiculous what he pulled off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get being a longtime tennis viewer fan, you get the feeling he's doing this on purpose sometimes. Like <laughs> he's just he's just dawdling, letting people run out there only to reel them back yeah. in and you know turn it into some kind of thriller, which I'm. I'm, I, that's that's being sarcastic, but that's 
that's just what it feels like at some point, you know, yeah. because it, he does it so routinely and he does it so well and he does not fade. The, the man just does not he go doesn't. away. Yeah. So, and Tsitsipas was ripping the ball. Like he was winning the match. He, but Djokovic was at least like there, but he wasn't playing that well. But Tsitsipas mm-hmm. was taking it, you know, he was, he was not making lots of errors. Uh, but I felt the same way. As soon as he won the second, I also going after that first set was like, this, this might be better if this one was like really close. And yeah. then he gets the third <laughs> set, for example, and then he's up two to one. Exactly. At like not that two to zero where it's like, oh crap, like now this could go. Because Tsitsipas also had that match against Zverev where he was up two love, then two all, and then he won it in the third. But mm-hmm. I mean, Djokovic is a totally different mountain than Zverev. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that was Roland Garros 2021. The only other thing I wanted to mention there is um, the benefit of Djokovic winning is that we did not lose the bracket challenge to <laughs> that is Gal true. In her <laughs> she would have won tournament, it. <laughs> which def- that definitely would have changed the category of this podcast <laughs> from tennis to something else. Yeah. Um, she picked well for the first time, but it would have been depressing considering she was mostly following our advice and then made yeah. a few picks differently. And if those different picks had been the ones mm-hmm. that just beat us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she played it well. That's what you got to do to win. So she took the right risks. Yeah, we all thought Nadal, she thought it's a pass and she was closer than we were. Cramity. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yeah. The sun has set on uh, the clay season this year. It was awesome to have it back and in full swing or half swing, whatever you want to call it. But now we're turning our sights to the lovely green grass of the summer tennis season. So, Evan, now we're going to take a look at some quickfire tournament recaps. And then we'll look at the ones that are still happening. Because like we were saying before, there was a bunch of grass court tournaments that just started during Roland Garros. Thanks to this all or this whole uh, jacked-up schedule scenario. And there's some that are still going on all the way leading into Wimbledon like normal. But essentially, just to briefly comment on them, and then we can have a little bit of back and forth. Um, first up, we had Nottingham, one of the Challenger events. Um, this one ended with a final that had an American showdown. So Tiafo ended up taking out Kudla in a really quick match, like a little over an hour or something. Um and I just wanted to note there that I think Tiafo is one of the guys who's definitely allowed to wear a tank top. Um, <laughs> he just seems much more comfortable in that thing. Seems like he knows what he's doing. So um, I will say, him, though. did you notice that uh, Zverev retired it for the grass season? Oh, yeah. The, I took a note on this for the moldy take categories. Ah, okay. we'll, we'll get we'll to start, that. We'll come around. Okay. There's, there's something I think he might have replaced it with already. But uh, <laughs> okay. he did at least switch out of it to this yeah, red Adidas thing. That's right. Um, Stuttgart, beautiful tournament. Um, Chilich beat Oje Aliasim in Oje Aliasim's. I don't. I'm not going to count it. I don't have much to add <laughs> on the. He's never won the final conversation. I'm. I think he's still young, but it is a little bit peculiar. I don't. I hope he's not like setting a record or something at this point. With, <laughs> I, I think that's double digits. I don't know for sure, I, but I it, recall I hearing nine, like oh and nine at one point. So that exactly. would make this ten. <laughs> and I think I read something which is legitimate now that he's never won a set in the final. So yeah, that's true. That's true he, as well. I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much because immediately after that we went to Halle in Germany and he beat Federer on grass. Mm-hmm. Which right now, I don't know, maybe it's not like the it's 
probably not as hard, of course, as it once was, but that's a huge win um, and showed that he was still, you know, that's a good bounce back. Didn't make it all the way there in Halle, but we had Ugo Humbert taking out Rublev, which for me was extremely reminiscent of the good old ATP 500 days of last year um, with those two guys going at it because they had a few matches on clay. I think in Hamburg they had played a final or a semi or something like that. But Humbert's um, yeah, game is looked very interesting on grass. Mm-hmm. I th- it was cool to see him back in form. And then in Queens, um, there were some really good matches there. There was the Jack Draper and Erotic takeout of Sinner, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but then we had Berrettini win, and Berrettini looks real good on grass. Like mm-hmm. I wrote here, he was barely challenged. I think his first round match was a little tricky, but after that, man, he was running through it. So, yeah, I mean, anything stick out to you in these ones, these initial grass court tournaments? There was a lot of them. Um. Yeah, I'll comment quickly on on some of the things you said. I think um, Felix, I personally think he's a very good grass court player, and I think that's probably mm-hmm. his best surface. So although it was kind of a letdown to have him lose uh, yet another final, just the fact that he got there and the fact that he bounced back in the next tournament to beat Federer, I think he's still going to be a dangerous player uh, come Wimbledon time. Oh, he's yeah. not one that I would want to see for sure. And also losing to Marin Cilic on grass is not a bad loss because Cilic is a very good grass court player, uh, typically. So he's made a couple Wimbledon finals and he has one of the highest winning percentages behind all the guys that you would expect um, on grass that currently play. So um, not not a, not a terrible loss there. Uh one thing that does concern me that you haven't mentioned is is Federer losing um, mm. in Halle. Uh, he not the fact that he lost to Felix because, like I said, I like his game on grass. However, he had some weird comments after his loss, saying that he just mentally was not there in the third set, or he no. was frustrated, or had some kind of weird thing going on. So I'm more honestly at this point more worried for his focus and his mentality going into Wimbledon than I am his, um, his physicality. I think he's one of the best players at keeping the point short and on grass. It's a very, you know, easy thing to do. So I do think he's still one of the favorites for that tournament, but I really hope he can come like mentally prepared, um, for those championships. Mm. Um, it's all speculation. I, we've only seen him play one grass match. Um, and we have only seen him play like a small handful of matches here this year. Um, but I don't know that just those comments made me a, a little bit nervous for him. Um, let's see here. What is this now called? The chinch championships Queens. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's cinch. Cinch. <laughs> cinch. I will, um, actually moving back to Halle, I will, um, echo your thoughts on Umber. I think his game is very good for grass. Uh, we saw that big win over Rublev, who I also have said in the past that I think he has a good game for grass. So I think those are two players we're going to have to watch, um, yeah. for sure at Wimbledon. He just pulled out of Majorca and we'll, we'll come back to that, I suppose. But I think I it's that. probably, I tried to look up anything I could and I couldn't find anything on it, but it was like right after it happened. So I don't, I think it's probably fatigue, not, not an actual injury. I hope so at least. Um, but yeah, Matteo Berrettini, uh, you 
from the moment that tournament started, I was like, this guy's going to win it. You know, he has the perfect game for grass and he, he has been actually. in great form. Um, pretty much. I mean, ever since Monte Carlo, he's gone deep in every tournament that I can remember. Um, so he's, he's for sure one to watch as well. Um, and then he's only going to have that much more confidence now that he's got this uh, 500 level biggest tournament he's won under his belt, uh, moving into Wimbledon. But yeah, that that that's my quick outlook on those. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I mean, I I was all I said I see the same as a uh, in the Chilich Ojeleseem uh, matchup. I saw that Chilich also now has a three and O head to head on Ojeleseem. So going mm. into that match, it was also maybe a little bit of a disadvantage for him. Um, but yeah, the, for Humbert in Halle, the inside outedness that he plays in his game, I just thought was really effective. Like the lefty heavy spin, mm-hmm. the one two punch he was playing, hitting the ball really deep in the court just all seemed to be working really well for him. So I, I hope this yeah. walkover was not, uh, like you said, a real injury, but rather just, you know, he's going to rest up and try to have a good showing. Um, but in general, watching these matches, one of the things that I thought was really cool is just to, I, I, we haven't seen grass, you know, we skipped a yeah. season for a while. And I really noted that the balls are moving like 15 to 20% faster, you know, like it, it really it's changes lighting. the structure of it. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, we haven't, We've been just been on clay for so long. It feels like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really exciting to make this switch, and it's yeah. it's kind of crazy. Um, we'll get into this how you have to make that transition. But um, now mm-hmm. we got two active tournaments in place right now. We got Majorca and Eastbourne. Um, Majorca, just very brief things like like you said, Humber unfortunately walk over team out with a pretty serious looking wrist injury. Who he's getting viewed by a specialist in Barcelona, I think they said. Couldn't get to the root of the cause right there at the hospital in Mallorca, apparently. So, I don't know. He was up 5-2 on Manorino. That's a match he's going to win for sure. Um, and just mm-hmm. in the middle of the point, I happened to be watching it. Um, he just, it just looked like he sprained his wrist or something, you know? Or yeah. it was cramped, and then they worked on it for like 20 minutes, taped him all up, and he ended up not even starting again. So, man, I don't know about that one, but hopefully he makes it through and can play because usually that wrist stuff is really serious so um i hope it's something like strain or fatigue who knows with all the other problems he's been having that'd be a real bummer if he couldn't even start at wimbledon but we'll get into the whole rank of issues that are happening with the draw there um evan your comments on Majorca and in 20 seconds who would you pick to win that tournament (laughs) considering who's still left in the draw no kidding i actually made a couple of brackets just for fun (laughs) so i could kind of collect my thoughts on both of these tournaments but they're kind of worthless now because (laughs) we've had him and um who else we had uh uh umber and then in the other tournament, we had like four lucky losers. So they yeah, yeah. in Eastbourne. I mean, sorry, I'm trying to that I'm trying to pull up uh, though. That's true. Trying to pull up the uh, <laughs> the bracket here, um, which is a little bit concerning. I guess I'll touch on this really quick. That maybe it's because there was less time between the gray and the uh, <laughs> gray uh, clay and grass season. Yeah. Um, and people have not adjusted well. It's giving me 
flashbacks to uh, the Australian Open when everybody and their mom had a back issue, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the eventual winner had some kind of injury. Um, oh, he so, apparently died and came back to life. Uh, yeah, a couple of Advil apparently is all you need <laughs> for a... Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so winning this one... Uh, I can't be abdominal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pop, pop a couple of NSAID and we're good to go. <laughs> Um, who I eventually have winning this one is Medvedev. He has a game that's tailored for faster courts. I think he's still learning how to move on the grass court, but once he figures that out, he's going to be a very dangerous player. Uh, He's got Rude up next here, but I don't think Rude is going to pose much of a challenge because that the things he does well does not really translate well on grass. He had a good win against Sandgren straight sets, but um, I think Medvedev is going to jump on him early and take all the time away from him and, uh, and win that pretty easy. And then, yeah, I think, I think potentially Batista Agu could give him a run for his money because that's another guy that could be benefited by grass. Um, not known for his huge shot making, but the fast surface would help him hit more winners. Um, also moves extremely well and that's kind of the x factor on grass is is your movement um so you know but then never kind of feliciano lopez that guy's crazy on grass so i know (laughs) um (laughs) i don't think he would his legs would make it to the end of a tournament at this point in his career (laughs) but uh, it's good to see him winning um and now he's got a great great draw against manorino so i've got medvedev in this one cool I didn't make any brackets, but I did take some notes, and I also had Medi in this one. Um, I totally agree uh, with him being a good fit for grass. He hasn't had the best results so far, but I don't know. He seemed to adapt and do a little bit better on clay, and he says that he likes grass. So <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> it's got to help his cause exactly a little bit. And if you think about it, he actually has a pretty good game. Like He hits a big, flat ball, mm-hmm. and... Um, can move around pretty good, kind of lanky, which is sort of a good thing on grass sometimes mm-hmm. if you have kind of like the funky aspect to your game. You can mix it up with lots of spins. He's real good at that. So yes. I also think he would come through. Um, but I, it, Feli Lopez will, will probably beat Manorino, and then he's looking mm-hmm. at Query, Bautista, Gu. Yeah, that would be tricky if, if he's in good shape, but yeah, who knows? Hey, maybe Sam Query. <laughs> don't get i'm not getting my hopes up on that guy anymore <laughs> to initiate some of his grass court madness i oh. hope he beats Djokovic at wimbledon anyway oh. we'll get back to that again been there um, before <laughs> how funny would that be that will literally never happen um okay so we also have eastbourne um and this one is also like you mentioned a total hodgepodge in terms of the bracket um on got beat early by shocker uh, another guy from australia basically the o'connell of this tournament i guess but (laughs) um he's out but so far other than that there's not too many injuries uh, thankfully in this one um looks like everybody's healthier at least made it through the first couple rounds um yeah i mean looking at this one though what did you put in your bracket coming through (laughs) because here i had to really sit and look at it for a while before i took Uh, a stab in the dark well so this one was difficult because, like I said, there's four lucky losers in here, and I honestly forget who they replaced. But <laughs> when I made my bracket, you know, they were all like seeded players. But so I had them going much further than I probably normally would have. Um, that, now, my overall winner, I'll just cut to the chase here. I had Demon Hour actually winning this tournament. 
I think he's another player who has not had a good year in general. However, he could be a very good grass court player um, just due to his feistiness, how quick he can be, um, how he can track down the ball. Um, And so far he's, I mean, he had a, he had a good win uh, yesterday, maybe today. I forget when that match was, but anyways, he seems to be on the right track. And now that the draw has really opened up, I think the only other person I have on my radar to really challenge him would be uh, Bublik, who has also been doing really well so far in this tournament. Um, and I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't have much to say on that, but just looking at it here, I think. Uh, or Sinego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll play Sinego. So, um, like you said, real hodgepodge. Uh, maybe Ivashka can make some noise. He's a big hitter. <laughs> He's still in it. So just took out Popper and big one for him. But yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Um, so I had in this one, Bublik in my notes, winning it. Um, I also think Damon Auer has got a good shot and his draw is pretty good. I'm interested to see how Davidovich Fakina will do on uh, grass though, because he is a big hitter. Um, he's much mm-hmm. more of like a clay court homegrown player, but just his physicality might translate mm-hmm. well to the surface. So I'm curious to see how he'll do because technically his draw is uh, him he, and Damon he pulled out today. Oh, he did. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, okay. So yeah. I did have the meeting, but yeah, he's one of the retirements um, against Pospisil after the first set. So yeah, but I I, I agree with your sentiment there. I think Fakina actually oh, has I a. See it. Yeah, I updated now. Yeah. I think Falkina actually has a pretty good game that translates to most all surfaces. I don't think he's just a clay court player. Um, just, yeah, like you said, due to his physicality. So I'm hoping he he is healthy and makes it to Wimbledon. Yeah, would be interesting to see how he does, I think. Pospisil, I think this is the first time he's been back since that whole blow up in Miami. <laughs> see how it affects him. But yeah, I think Bublik will make it through. As if I remember correctly, I think he's got one final under his belt. I think in Singapore or something he made it, and his serve is yep. a really good fit. He's got like yeah. a giant ace count this year. So yeah, let's see. Um, so Nago, that won't be an easy match. But after that, it's pretty much straight shooting for him unless he gets Damon R in the final. So that's true. He's got good hands. I think he can control pace well. So I would uh, expect him to make it there. Yeah, definitely. Okay, now transitioning to the big boy, Wimbledon Championships 2021. We're not going to do a whole in-depth deep dive of tournament predictions, draw reviews. We'll get to that in another episode. We don't even have the draw yet, so there's not much we can do. But um, we did want to take some time just to comment on it briefly um, and give an update of who the top five people we think are gonna make some kind of statement here just to get us started here evan essentially um we've got a lot of dropouts uh, coming into this <laughs> tournament so rafa's out raunich is mm-hmm. out gofan is out stan is just having surgery again i don't even know if he was in but he's definitely out now yeah. team questionable murray also questionable and humber like i said davidovich fakina these other guys are dropping out in the meantime mm-hmm. i don't know if i missed anybody there i'm sure i did unfortunately but it is starting to get a little bit that Australian Open vibe even before the tournament's starting. And I think a lot of it, like you said, does have to do with this really harsh switch from clay to grass. Um, I know at least Gofan had direct injury related to that. But mm-hmm. um, let's see how it turns out. I mean, at Wimbledon this year, um, 
just for kicks, you've got close to 2.4 million US dollar on the line for the men's championship winner, um, which I guess is a lot less than last year, 27% less, and the whole pool in general is about 5% lower than it was before. So you can see they probably got a lot that got taken off the top line for the winner, but who knows how they mix those things up. If you lose in the first round, looking at you, T-Pain and Bro Pelka, you get 50 <laughs> grand. So it's not bad for you. And if you lose in the first round in the mixed doubles, you still get 1500 bucks. So looking like a pretty sweet deal if you yeah. can make it to the Wimbledon first round, which is impossible. So, mm-hmm. um, Who's in the running? Um, looking at the details, Evan, what briefly stated, who are the five people you think would be interesting to watch at Wimbledon this year? Hmm. Yeah, five. I don't know. It'll be hard to parse it down into just five that I think will be interesting to watch. I think if we're talking about favorites, um, I think far and away Djokovic is the favorite. He has the experience and he's not going to be challenged by Rafa and we don't really know what kind of level Feder is going to be at. And he also has all the um, momentum and all the um, reason to show up in the world, right? He's chasing number 20 to tie it all up. So I, I highly, highly, highly favor, um, Djokovic to to come through it all not to not to get way ahead of myself here um but I do think there is going to be a couple more interesting players we've said before Berrettini has an excellent game for grass he has such a big serve he's not the he's not like he has a serve that like kind of gets up there into like your trees right your round itch and your he's um, a big dude yeah your uh his nerves and your queries the guys who typically do well on grass except he's a couple inches shorter than them so he moves much better (laughs) which is good um he doesn't defend well that's something he'll have to he'll have to work on but with grass you know if you can end the point on your serve or your serve plus one which he does probably better than anybody it doesn't really matter as much i would fear his forehand more than anybody's probably at that tournament. Um, so I think he's going to be a big player to watch. We'll challenge anybody and we'll see where he lands as an eighth seed. Cause he could, he could really shake some stuff up. Um, like we, again, like we said before, I think Felix could make a deep run here, depending on where he's at mentally. He's got a very good game for it. He, uh, heavy ground stroke, short backswings. he, he could do well here. Umber, like we've said, can do very well here. One person I haven't mentioned or we haven't mentioned that I thought had a pretty good tournament was uh, Sebastian Corda. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm he did lose to Umber. However, he took him to three and it was it was a close match. I actually got to watch a lot of that one. And um, I, I don't know. He could lose in the first round again, just like in the French. But uh, that's where my hopes my hopes lie for the Americans is in Sebi Corda. So <laughs> I'm going to keep my <laughs> keep my eyes on him. Obviously, the bigger server Americans are probably going to do better. But um, I don't know. I just I really like Corda, and uh, I think he did really well in Kali. So um, yeah, hopefully he does well. I think I don't know. I don't want to rehash everything we just said, but. Medvedev, of course, has a very good game. I think, especially when you're trying to win three sets, he's going to be a dangerous proposition to try and beat on this surface because he'll he'll figure it out by the third set. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
so he redirects the ball very well. He can he can absorb the pace better than anybody. Sands maybe Djokovic, and that's something you got to do on grass. So um, I think he's probably up there, top two, top three, in my opinion, to potentially grab this one. Um, and then and then Federer, of course. So somewhere in there, that's five people. Um, <laughs> my five to watch. Um, I see here you have potential young guns to make it deep. So I'm going to, I'm going to put Corda down for my pick on the young guns. Um, maybe Sinner. He has a huge forehand, huge backhand, um, but he didn't, he didn't do well in the lead up. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, I, I hesitate to back him on his, in his, I think probably his first Wimbledon draw. So um, yeah, those are my thoughts on uh, that. Hopefully we can get another, more in-depth podcast out to you guys um but yeah what are you what are you thinking ben yeah definitely so i mean i also have djokovic on my list for similar reasons i don't think you can bet up against him and the great thing for him is he has a boatload of wimbledon experience and ton of wins there too so waltzing into this one it's looking pretty dang good for him actually um because of all the other guys that are not there or the way that the circumstances have changed. Um, I also, our lists are actually quite similar. I have Berrettini on here too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if he shows up though, he's, he is actually really dangerous. I've always uh, thought that he, at least for me, reminds me a lot of Del Potro, like in some ways, because he's got the cracking forehand, the big Mm -hmm. serve, maybe a couple differences in their movement, but I don't know. I just, I reminded of him a lot of ways in the way that he plays. And I think mentally he's getting like a little bit more serious now. So he's definitely dangerous. I think, um, Medi, I also have on there. I think he'll be making some good strides. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he made the second week this time around at Wimbledon. Um, especially given that the draw might be a little bit more open in some parts. Um, and he's going to be coming in as the two seed again. So, then after that, one guy I do have on here, just because he's been playing so well this year in other scenarios, is Sitsipas. He hasn't translated mm-hmm. that well to grass in the past compared to how well he's done on other surfaces. But um, I don't know. I think if he can't convert it, he doesn't have a bad game for grass. Um, his movement's good. And yeah, I think the all-rounder style of play also suits itself quite well. So... I put him on, on the top five list that I got. And then for the random pick in the end, um, I, of course, do hope that one of our big serving <laughs> Americans will be able don't to pull something it. out here. Um, I do, Opelka, I don't know yet. Um, he has he did not do well in the lead-ups, but that means mm-hmm. nothing to me at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will not put T-Pain on the list for this one, unfortunately. I, I don't think his, <laughs> his grind and parade style is a good fit for grass but he can rip the ball so let's see but i don't know i'm i'm thinking as long as isner i don't think he's announced anything that says he won't play so i think if isner does play here he has a pretty good wimbledon history and record and he did play decent at random points throughout this year so if he got a good draw hey who knows um other than that though sentiments on um sinner or rublev humber all those guys i think you know we could see one of them come through i will also have fingers crossed for corda um, but let's see. I don't know how well he'll do. One person I unfortunately do not have on the top five list is Roger Federer. I don't know, but <laughs> for me, just I don't want to put that expectation on it. Um, I don't know. He hasn't he hasn't been playing well uh, for his standards. I would say, but still really good, still capable of a lot at Wimbledon. Anything could change, of course. But um, 
he won Halle in 2019 going into Wimbledon and was looking pretty flawless before making the final there. And he's just not looking that way right now. So right. I think he's vulnerable. And now he's not in a case yeah. where people are like real excited to step on court and share it with him. Of course they are. But now like he's also a target in some ways, I think, because mm-hmm. he's definitely showing some some open points. Yeah. But I will root for him, of course. I, I hope he does yeah. better than what I'm expecting. I think I have higher expectations for him than you, maybe. However, I'm going to reserve all that judgment to where I see he, uh, where he lands in the draw. So um, <laughs> I do think yeah, he'll make huge. a pretty good run, though. I think, I think he's going to get seventh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks like he's going to be seventh. Um, but I think on experience alone, he'll he'll beat the players he is supposed to beat. Um, He's got to so, be worth the second week, I would think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Uh, you're pretty much out of time, right? Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think maybe we should call it. Yeah, we do still have the moldy take on here because you haven't no, officially no. been called for Tavana yet. <laughs> should we just get that out of the way right now? We All don't right, need no pomp and circumstance. <laughs> episode 15. There's only a few updates here. The one big thing is Evan picked Taverner. We all know it, and it never got <laughs> it never made it to moldy take because we did the off script episode 14. Yeah. But fact of the matter is someone has to take the ding for that so now we're tied (laughs) seven to seven the game rolls on and i just wanted to mention one more thing while we're here zverev's tank top has been taken out of the unfinished business list but i did add another thing in there Zverev because apparently he got coaching from his brother misha zverev courtside while his brother was working for eurosport as a commentator (laughs) during his own match There's a video, it's confirmed that it's true, and even funnier, Misha then went in the post-match interview for his own Eurosport thing and admitted to coaching, but he didn't get in trouble for it. Oh my gosh. But I just (laughs) wanted to put that on there, because it's a classic Zverev thing, Um, at least in the German Eurosport, they like worship those guys, because I think they're the two main people they can talk about, but man. And uh, Lorenzo Sinego came out with a new song. I have to say, I like it more than Denis Shapovalov's music, but... um, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'm High just praise. thinking at this point, you know, we could, we should, you know, probably make a song. I'm pretty sure people would be into that. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, it <laughs> seems uh, like if you're part of the tennis community, it's just what you do. You know, you don't really you do. have a lot of music talent, so you you make music. That's what you do. Yeah, and when you're part of the podcast community, it's a natural uh, second step is to uh, make a rap song. So exactly. <laughs> Yeah. All right. When we uh when we find time to do that slash when we find the podcast come first, but then the rap song, be on the lookout. We'll let you know when it drops. It'll be hot. Yeah. <laughs> We're expecting a lot of success from that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll get you out of here, Evan. Thanks everybody for joining today. It's been another great episodes. Ep- uh, great episode spending time <laughs> with you. and uh <laughs> like and subscribe <laughs> i hope someone sends us an email i saw we got one from irena irma plots <laughs> did, did we really i don't know who could have sent that i don't know either wait since you're already late let me just read it okay we got a live a live mystery email Best pod ever. 
<laughs> I can't believe your success. Straight to to your hearty. Two seven three views. So organic, unbelievable. Sincerely, Irena Ermaplatz. <laughs> Great. Thanks for sending those in, everybody. We really appreciate it. Keep them coming. <laughs> Inbox. <laughs> Me sent by the changeover. <laughs> Uh, when you write your own fan mail oh well <laughs> baby steps we're getting there yeah I'm gonna go try and find some Dave the Barbarian memes now I'll see you guys later <laughs> alright bye everyone <laughs>